the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we're going to begin reading in verse 26. All right. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. That is truth. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, for your presence that is here with us today. And Lord God, we just honor you. We exalt you. We adore you. And we thank you because you are a good God. And Lord, we submit our hearts before you right now, and we pray that you would grip our minds, Lord God, that you would remove distractions, Lord God, right now, that you would captivate our hearts, and Lord, that we would not only hear what you're saying to your church, but God, that we would do what you command us to do and what you call us to do. Help us, above all, to believe what you are communicating, Lord God, that our lives would reflect a faith that brings glory and honor to your name, God. I pray against any of the hindrances that the enemy would try to bring against the minds and hearts of my brothers and sisters from receiving from you. Speak to us today. Be glorified in Jesus' name. And someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you, don't, if you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. Just hold it up for a moment. Want to make sure that you get an outline. Um, and, uh, and ushers will get it to you. Keep your hand up so that way they know that you need one. It's important that you have these outlines because you're able to follow along in the sermon. You're able to stick with me in the beginning, at least the intro portion. And you're also able to answer those questions that are within that outline. So that should help you to grow in your walk and in your relationship with Jesus. Um, as I shared a few, as I've shared continually, we've changed up a little bit our connect, the format in our connect. And so we used to follow the sermon in our connect, which, are, which is our small life groups. But right now we're not following the sermons. We're actually going through a gospel identity book. Nonetheless, this is a good opportunity for you to take notes and utilize your notes to help disciple and bring someone else up in the faith. So I encourage you to utilize these notes for yourself and to help others grow. Now really quickly before I get into the, into the, into the message here, um, I just want to give you a a quick update and let you know that the 40 days of prayer is going strong. Can we give God a hand of praise for that? Um, I am so, I'm telling you guys, I am so encouraged. Um, 4.30 in the morning prayer, I mean, I got like like over 20 people every call. Amen. I'm like, praise the Lord. I know some of y'all fall asleep. Amen. Uh-huh. I know. I see because there's a number, there's like different numbers sometimes that are on there where there, there'll be like, you know, somebody was on the phone until like 5.37 and I'm like, well, I know I finished praying at 5, maybe 5.01, but, you know, there's a, and it's different numbers, okay? So I know some of y'all, y'all take turns napping, right? I don't, I don't know how you nap with me praying because I'm loud, you know, but anyway, anything is possible, right? So nonetheless, I just appreciate you getting on the call. And listen, I say that jokingly. I mean, look, I know it's tough to get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'll be honest. The reason I don't fall asleep is because I'm the one leading prayer. Amen. I'm just saying. So it's easy for me to stay awake because I got to talk. But nonetheless, I am so encouraged by that, not only the 4.30 
calls, I mean the afternoon calls, the lunch calls. I mean you guys are taking out of your lunchtime and just making it a point to be there. And it's been such a glorious time for me. And, and I encourage, I wanted to encourage um, not just the adults, um, you know, the young people as well. You know, youth, um, you can get up at 4.30, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know no youth said amen to that. But nonetheless... <laughs> We also have a 9.30 at night call. I know that some of y'all at lunch at 12.30, but we have a 9.30 at night call. I know y'all can stay up late. Hello, somebody. Right? If, anyway, I, I, I'm just saying, right? So young people, I just want to encourage you to get on these calls. I mean, you, you know, be there, pray with us, you know, and, and if you have petitions, if you can't make a call, um, feel free to send me a text message so we can pray together. But again, we start back up tomorrow. We're continuing on until December 5th as far as the, um, the, this 40 days of prayer. And... Um, any petitions that you have, man, you know, please, please, please make sure that you let us know. I know some of you get shy on the phone and stuff, and so just, you know, send me a message so we can pray for those petitions. Amen? All right, so here we go, um, John chapter 15, and we're, we're, we're continuing on in Jesus' conversation with his disciples. This is the last, this is the last. Chapter 16 will be the last portion of teaching that Jesus will do before the crucifixion, okay? The last, this is the end of it here. After this, in chapter 17, we'll move on to his high priestly prayer, and then we'll go into the, you know, the betrayal, crucifixion, resurrection, and stuff like that. But this is the last portion that he's going to be teaching, so I really encourage you to listen to what he's communicating, although his prayer is going to teach us a lot. We still realize that he's speaking to his disciples and he's trying to encourage them. And so today, I want to, I want to talk to you of a, a message I've entitled, Your Help is Here. Amen. Um, as, we've been pray, as we've been in prayer these last two weeks, I've concluded one thing for sure, and that is that we are in desperate need of help from the Lord on personal levels, on familial levels, on ministry levels, on local, national, and global levels. We need help. One of the main reasons why we're praying is because we realize that there is really a spiritual battle that is going on, that there is really a war that is being waged against the souls of men. And that battle has been you know, raging forever. As we were in prayer this morning, I was repenting before the Lord on behalf of the church, just asking God to forgive us for dividing over things that hinder us from being able to really do what God has called us to do, which is reach people with the gospel. Because we spend so much time, literally, it's, it's, we're literally fighting with one another about things that really, they really don't matter, and we're missing the opportunity. Can I tell you something? And when we get into the high priestly prayer, I'm really going to drive this point home, but I want you to know that the greatest tactic of the enemy is to do what? It is to divide. He's, he, Jesus said this clearly when they accused him of casting demons out by Beelzebub. What, 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 what did he say? He said, a kingdom divided by itself, a house divided. He talked about this division. It cannot what? Stand. Satan knows this. And so what happens is he wants to do everything he can in your homes. Listen to what I'm saying. His number one goal is to get mom and dad at each other. Are you hearing me? His number one goal is to get, you know, um, children and parents at each other. His number one goal is to get siblings at each other. Are you hearing me? He wants to bring division in the church. He wants to do the same thing because if we're over here divided over things that shouldn't divide us, then guess what? We're not moving forward in the gospel purpose that God has called us to. And so he, we, we, we realize that. And so the only way that we're going to be able to receive the help of the Lord is by us what? Seeking his face. That's how we do that. That's how we experience his help in our lives. And so continuing on in the outline here, second paragraph, and forgive some of the typos. Um, I sent it to Jonathan without reading it. I was rushing when I was going through it. So there are some major typos in here that I found. So I apologize. I didn't ask him to proofread this. But um, nonetheless, just like us, the disciples needed help. Amen. 
While Jesus was on earth, he was their help, but as he prepared them for his death and departure, he encouraged them with a promise of help in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is with his disciples. Notice what he says in verse 4. Just look at verse 4 there. He said, but these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And listen, and these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And so while Jesus was on the earth in the flesh, he was the help of the disciples. He was the one that was there to protect them. He knew when to go to places. He knew when not to go to places. He knew what to, what, what to talk about, what not to talk about. He knew what questions to ask and what things to answer. He knew how to defend them, right? He was their help in guiding them. But when he was going to leave, he was no longer going to be there. And so they needed someone who was going to come to them in his place, and that is the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. And so hear me. Last paragraph here. While the disciples had a promise of one to come, we have an assurance of the one who is already here. Are you, are you hearing me? See, while the disciples, they were waiting for one that was going to come, we have an assurance of one that is already here. The Spirit, we're not waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is already here. The Spirit of God is here now. When we pray and we're asking God to move freshly, we're not asking for him to, to come onto the scene like he's not here. We're asking him to make himself more known. Are you with me? That's what we're asking him for because we have been given the spirit of God. And so that's why I say your help is here. Our helper, who is the Holy Spirit, is present to testify of Jesus, empower us to witness, keep us from stumbling, convict the world, and guide us into all truth for the glory of Jesus. I'll read that one more time. Our helper, because this is what we're going to look at as we look at these scriptures here. Our helper, who is the Holy Spirit, is present to testify of Jesus empower us to witness, keep us from stumbling, convict the world, and guide us into all truth for the glory of Jesus. Now, here's the big idea. This is the big idea that I want you to grasp. It is this. The Holy Spirit is present to help us awaiting our availability unto him. The Holy Spirit is present to help us awaiting our availability unto him. The Spirit of God is there. He is present. He is here right now. No matter what we're facing in our lives, no matter what it is that we're going through, see, God is waiting for us to say, I'm available. See, the, the issue with us is that we fill our lives with so much stuff and we depend on so many other things that we never take the time to say, hold on a second, God, I'm available for you to be my help. Hello, somebody. I'm available for you. And so God, the Holy Spirit is like, hey, I'm here. I'm waiting on your availability, but you have to empty stuff. See, that's the thing with us, right? Now, y'all know how it is. I don't, know about, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I like new stuff, but I like to hold on to old stuff. Right? You know, you, you, you get new things, and, and sometimes you want to hold on to the old stuff. You want to keep that. You know, you buy, I mean, look, I looked, in, I looked in my closet this morning, and I was like, man, I need deliverance. But anyway, the reason is, I, got, I, I mean, I have tons of shirts, right? And it's, and, and, and it's because my wife is amazing, and, you know, she purchases me shirts all the time. And so I have all these shirts in the closet. And I'm looking in the closet, and I'm like, man, and, and, and what I try to do every so often is I try to go through there and say, okay, I don't need this shirt. And the truth of the matter is that I find a reason why I need every shirt. 
And yet I see another shirt when I go to the store and I'm like, I like that shirt. I need that one, right? And so I don't need anything. But the point is that we should learn something, right, from that analogy in our lives, in different areas of our lives. We're the same way. You know, we keep stuff, but then we want to add stuff to it. And then, you know, that's the reason, hey, I'll be straight up. That's the reason why I never, ever want to move. You know why? Because I got a bunch of stuff. Hello that I've accumulated over the last 18 years that are in this home, and I just don't want to move it. I don't, because I'm going to have to, I'm going to be getting upset. I'm going to be throwing stuff away. Hello. I'm just, that's just, that's just what would happen. So the thing with us in our spiritual lives, it's the same scenario. We want to hold on to stuff. We want to keep our will. We want to keep our thoughts. We want to keep our desires. We want to hold on to our reasonings. We want to keep everything our way, right? We want to figure things out for ourselves. I don't know about you, but can I get a witness to this? I've been down in prayer, and as I'm praying, I'm telling God how he should do whatever Whatever it is he needs to do in my life. Come on now. Am I the only one? Like, I, like God, I want you to do it this way. I want you to move this way. I want you to, and God is like, listen, I know what you need, and I know how I'm going to get it to you. Let me do it the way I will, not your will. But the truth of the matter is that I will never walk in God's will until I let go of my will. I will never experience God's fullness in my life until I surrender my life and say, okay, God, you show me what you want. You show me what you will and what you desire for me. And so the first thing I'm going to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the Holy Spirit helps us not to stumble in our walk. The Holy Spirit helps us not to stumble in our walk. Look what he says in, verse, in verse, um, chapter, chapter 16, verse 1. He says, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. You see, he, he says in verse 26 to 27, so we're going to look at these things. And obviously, it's everything he's been teaching them since chapter 13. But nonetheless, he's saying these things. But specific, he says, but when the helper comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, this is verse 26 in chapter 15, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the, from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. See, here's the thing. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work together in perfect harmony, never jockeying for position, but working together to strengthen our faith in what? The gospel of Jesus. What does the Holy Spirit do? He is testifying of who Jesus is. He's reminding us of what Jesus has done. He's constantly pointing us where? Pointing us to Christ. The biggest thing, you guys heard me on the phone, I think last night at one of the prayer times that we had, I was praying. I'm like, God, I just ask you that we as worship teams, that we as preachers, that we would do a great job at making much of you. Because you know what? That's what the Holy Spirit leads us to do is to make much of Jesus. In our lives, in our families, in every area of our life, I want you to get this. The Holy Spirit wants us to make much of Jesus. When I do anything that is in obedience to the Lord, you know what I'm doing? I am pointing someone to Christ. When I love my spouse the way that Christ loves the church, what am I doing? I am pointing them to Christ. When I'm, when I'm disciplining and directing and training my children in the ways of righteousness, what am I doing? I am pointing them to Jesus. And anyone looking at me should be doing what? Knowing that I'm doing this not for my glory glory, but for what? For the glory and honor of God. When I do my job at work, you know, when I get to work on time, hello somebody. Mm -hmm. when, when, I, when I do a stellar job at work, when I, when I go above and beyond, when I do things for, you know, that way, what am I doing? Am I pointing to myself? Hopefully not. You should be pointing to who? The one who gave you the grace to work. The one who empowers, you see, that's what's supposed to be happening because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to draw attention to men. He wants to draw attention to Jesus. 
That's what he wants to do. See, the Holy Spirit is called our helper. And what does that word helper mean? That, this word helper is a little bit difficult to translate, right? And some translations you'll see there, it's counselor. And, and, and other translations, it'll say advocate. But the point of the matter is that when you look at this word, he's all of those things when it comes to help. He's the paracletes, right, or the paracletos, the one who comes beside us. And so what does he do when he comes beside us? He comes beside us to help us in different ways. It means, that, it means this. It means he helps us by consoling us. And so there are certain moments in our lives that we need to be comforted. And you know who comes to comfort us? The Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit comforts us, not by himself alone, but you know what? He'll bring you. Listen to me now. When you feel led to give someone a hug, be obedient. When you feel led to just call somebody up and say, hey, I was thinking about you, be obedient. Because you never know when that person may need comfort. And you know what? The Holy Spirit, the helper, what did I say? The helper's here. He's waiting for our availability. You know what happens to us? Sometimes we are so busy. Somebody said, I think it was Linda, she said, bound under Satan's yoke. That's what, that, that's what busy stands for, bound under Satan's yoke, right? Sometimes we are so busy with our own life, with everything that's going on in our life. And listen, and listen I do not want to downplay anybody's situations in their lives because, look, I don't know everybody's situation in here. But sometimes we're so busy doing our thing, we're so busy caught up in our routine, right, that what we don't do is we're not sensitive to the Spirit of God who is the comforter and may want to use you to bring a word of comfort to someone. He helps us by encouraging. So not only does he console us, but he encourages us, right? He gives us that courage. He builds courage inside of us so that way we continue forward doing whatever it is that he has called us to do. It is also one who mediates on behalf. And so when we don't know what to pray, guess who prays for us? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit works. And sometimes we don't even know how to deal with a situation. And you know what? I've seen this plenty of times. We don't know how to deal with something. We don't know how to have this conversation. And we pray to God because we don't have the wisdom for it. And you know what many times will happen? Now, I'm not saying every time. I'll get to that in a second. But, but many times, you know what will happen? He will have already prepared the heart of that person for that conversation and dealt with them. And sometimes he works some things out. Now, other times now, he wants to develop your character and you need to speak. Hello, somebody. Mm-hmm. Because, see, here's the problem with us sometimes. Sometimes we're like, God, 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 do this, do this, do this. And God is like, why do you ask me to do what I've asked you to do? Oh, God, deal with this person. Yeah, you deal with them. I've given you grace, right? Like, God, deliver my children. Yeah, deliver them. Amen, right? Lord, help my kids. I'm going ahead. I'm, I'm going to help them through you if you would just speak to them, right? I'm just saying, right? Now, now, now we have to allow the Spirit of God and allow, allow him to direct us. So the Spirit of the Lord is with us, empowering us not to stumble. What does that word stumble mean? That word stumble means to be offended or to cause anger or shock because of what has been said or done. What did he say was going to happen here? He said there was coming a day that people were going to kick them out of the synagogues. Yes, a time that people would feel like when they killed them, they were doing a service to God. You remember a guy by the name of Saul, right? He's the, his, his name is Paul the Apostle. And you know what he was doing? He was going around taking Christians and locking them up and letting them be killed. You remember it was James, right, that, that, that he was, that, I mean, I'm sorry, Stephan that was there. And he was preaching the gospel. And Saul was standing there. People were, you know, put their coats at his feet. And Saul was saying, yes, that is God. Kill this guy. And this guy was preaching for the glory and honor of Jesus. And so what Jesus said came to pass, did it not? And those are, just, those are just examples within the book of Acts. We're, we're, we're not even looking at church history. You know, there's a book called Fox's Christian Book of Martyrs, and I heard that back in the days, Christians used to carry two books with them to church, the Bible and Fox's Christian Book of Martyrs. 
As a reminder, for any of you that have never read that book, I haven't read the whole thing, but it's pretty intense when you see stories of people who were literally taken up. And they, I, this, one, this one always stuck out to me, that this one king, I don't remember who it was, but he would literally take Christians and he would put them, he would hang them up like a chandelier and light them on fire and, let, and he would go to sleep to their screams. Was it Nero? Terrible. The evil that's been there. Jesus said, though, they're thinking that they're doing this for the name of God. See, people are dying, and you, go, you guys saw that on YouTube a little while ago. You know, these men that were decapitated. The war, I mean, that was the most graphic thing I've ever seen. But these people think they're doing this in the name of the Lord. And what Jesus says is, I don't want you to stumble. I don't want you to be offended. I don't want you to think that you made the wrong turn. Hello. I don't want you to think that you're by yourself. I want you to know that I am with you. And I don't want you to stumble, just like John the Baptist. You remember him, right? John the Baptist was preaching. He was saying, oh, behold, the Lamb of God. He was like, I'm not worthy to hold his sandal straps. And then he got locked up in prison. He was like, yo, is this the guy we're waiting for? At one moment, he was all like, yes, yes, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Then when he got into a tough situation, he was like, is this, is this the one that we're waiting for? Are we waiting for someone else? Because I didn't know that being locked up was part of following him. But I don't want you to stumble is what our Lord says. He doesn't want us to feel like we're by ourselves. And so he gives us this, this reality. And just as the disciples went forward to testify of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, who testifies of Jesus, so they're doing what, what, what? The Spirit of God is doing. So we are to be completely devoted to the testimony of Jesus, no matter the opposition we face. Listen to me. No matter what we go through, no matter what people say, no matter what is happening in your life, make sure that you are devoted to the testimony of Jesus. Amen? Second thing, ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the Holy Spirit helps us as we witness to the lost. The Holy Spirit helps us as we witness to the lost. Let's read verses 5 through 11. And it says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things you, to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. See, Jesus, I want you to notice this. Jesus does not ignore the reality of the disciples' sorrow over his departure. He doesn't ignore it. As a matter of fact, next week we'll deal with that a little bit more on the sorrow that the disciples were, were experiencing. Jesus doesn't ignore that. But what he does is he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit will not solely comfort them in their sorrow, but he wants to empower them to live holy and witness boldly. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to make us feel better about what we're going through, but he wants to empower us to live holy lives, church. We are called to be holy, right? As God is holy, we're called to be holy. But not only are we called to live holy lives, but we are also called to witness boldly for Jesus. Amen? And it's the Spirit of God that comes and fills us so that way we can do this. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit, notice, the Holy Spirit comes to the church, not the world. Are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit comes to the church, 
not to the world. And what he does, he fills the church with power, ministers to the church, ministers through the church with power. And, and, and what Jesus says, he says, he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, that he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so here's what I want you to get, that as we go out there to witness, right, as we go out there to preach this gospel, as we go out there to share with people, there are three things that the Holy Spirit is doing. And one of them is he is convicting of sin. The second thing is he's convicting of righteousness. And the third thing is he is convicting of judgment. Now, what does it mean when we look at this word convict? It's a judicial, ter a judicial term, and it means to, br to, to bring to light. It means to expose. It means to refute, to convict, or to convince. And it could be translated to pronounce the verdict. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's pronouncing the verdict of sin. He's pronouncing the verdict of righteousness. He's pronouncing the verdict of judgment. And he's dealing with the hearts of men. So the first one is, he says what? He says to convict of sin. Now, what, now, now notice this. It is singular. Verse, verse, verse 9, he says, of sin because they do not believe in me. So I want you to see, he didn't say to convict the world of sins. He said to convict the world of sin. There is a specific sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of. And it is a sin of unbelief. Let me tell you this right now. It is your conscience, and it is us preaching the word of God. It is us when, you know, um, Pastor Chad talks about utilizing the law, you know, um, he, with um, Ray Comfort and the way of the master, you know, when he started teaching that, and, and utilizing the law to do what? To bring people to the place of recognition of how much they need Jesus, right? That's what the law is for today. The law is to show us our sinfulness, amen? That's what the law does. When we look at the law and we look at what God's standards are, we are convicted of our sin. But you know what? There's a, there, there's a conjunction with the law, and it is our conscience that convicts us of our sin, right? So we become convicted of sins through those things. But there is a sin, one sin, that the Spirit of God is convicting mankind of right now, and it is the sin of unbelief. I want you to know something. It is the sin of unbelief that sends men to, sends men to hell. Are you here? Because it's the opposite is true. It is faith in Christ that lets men go to heaven, is it not? It's not our works. It's not what we do. It's not that, you know, it's not because we conjured up something. And Jesus says that he's convicting of that because they did not believe in him. Because they don't believe the issue with us is, is, is a belief issue. If we believe the gospel, then we live the gospel. If we believe what the gospel says, we live what the gospel says for us to live. But when we don't believe it, we don't live it. The same is true that when, we, that, that when people are in unbelief, they're doing what? They're separating themselves for God for eternity, for eternity because of their unbelief. The second thing he says is he says to convict them of righteousness. Look at verse 10. It says, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And so of righteousness, notice he said conviction or pronounce the verdict of righteousness. He doesn't say he's convicting them of unrighteousness. Are you hearing me? See, because when we think about this, we think, wait a second, he's talking about, you know, he's going to show them their unrighteousness. No, that's not what it is. He's convicting them of Christ's righteousness. Because what happened was Jesus walked on this earth, he was the holy lamb of God, and he was rejected as righteous. And so, when the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness, he shows men about his righteousness. What do I mean by this? The other day, I think I, think I shared this quote with you all last week. I know I shared it in my connect group, but it is this. The one thing that men hate is to be what? Told what to do. The, thing, the only thing that men hate more than being told what to do is to be, is, is to be told that they can do nothing. The one thing that men hate, men don't want, no, and when I say men, I'm not talking about masculine, I'm talking about man in, in, in general. 
You don't want to be told what to do. You, I mean, look at your children. You know, you remember, you think about yourself, right? I know because none of us were rebellious. We were all just law followers, right? And my mom is sitting in back here, and, you know, I had to walk off the altar and see my beautiful mother who's here today. Glory to God. Can we give God a hand of praise for bringing my mom today? <clears throat> my mom could tell you I was rebellious. Hello, somebody. She had to beat me a few times. Glory to God. But I'm here today alive, just letting you know. It's okay to beat your kids. I'm just kidding. It's not okay to beat them, okay? Yes, it is, but that's another topic, not, not for this one. But here's the thing. None of us want to be told what to do, but you know what's even worse for us? When you say, listen, man, you can't do nothing to earn God's favor. I, I know you heard a sermon about 10 ways to earn God's favor. False. There's one. Put your faith in Jesus. Because your faith in Jesus is going to cause you to walk in what? Obedience. And then you're going to walk into what Jesus already secured for you. Hello, somebody. You see, that's what we have to realize here. And so he convicts of righteousness. Nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to save themselves. Everybody wants to do stuff. Everybody, and, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's that conviction of his righteousness that we come to understand how holy and righteous God is. It's when we really look at the law in the light of God's revelation, not the law to our standards, because everybody brings the law down to their standards for some way, shape, or form and thinks, oh, yeah, I'm doing that one. Oh, yeah, I'm doing this one. Listen, we break all of God's laws. And can I tell you something? It if we just broke one, you know what the Bible says? We're guilty of them all. That's what the scripture says. And so the reality is we're lawbreakers, and that's just the truth. That's the reason why God talks about the righteousness. Now, the last one is he talks about this verdict of judgment. And so in verse 11, he says, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, I love this one. Jesus executed judgment upon Satan by defeating him on the cross and in the resurrection. Men must be convicted of the judgment they are under apart from Jesus. Understand this. Satan was, 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 he is a defeated enemy. Are you hearing me? That he, he, it may seem like, you know, he's, he's roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And listen, I am not going to sit here and act like Satan doesn't have power because he has power. That's, that's for sure. But he doesn't, have, he, doesn't, he doesn't have ultimate power. Hello. He doesn't have ultimate authority. He doesn't have exclusive power all by himself. No, 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 no. He's under the authority of someone else. He's, he's subject to a, to a greater king. Are you hearing me? The ruler of this world has been judged. The Bible says what? That he disarmed principalities and powers when he did what? When he made a public spectacle of them on the cross. That's what Colossians says to us. It reminds us that, that our enemy is a defeated foe. And here's the thing. He has already been judged and he will experience final judgment. And if you are not walking with Jesus, you will experience final judgment the same way that Satan will. Are you hearing me? If your faith is not in Christ, you will experience this final judgment. And so what the Holy Spirit does, remember what we're talking about here. We are talking about what the Spirit of God does to the world. This is not that he's not convicted. If you're a Christian in here, you shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, is that me? Listen, hold on a second. If you have put your faith in Jesus and you are walking with Jesus, you should be secure because you know what? Although our sin separates us from God, you know what Jesus did? He died in our place so that way we could what? We would not have to worry about the judgment. He suffered in our place so that way we could know that at the end of our days, we will begin the rest of our days in eternity with him. That's the beauty of this gospel that he has given us and, and we can stand firm in that, that no longer does he see us this way. But if you're not a Christian in this place, you should be fearing right now. 
If you have not put your faith in Jesus, you should be trembling in your seat because you are walking yourself into a place of judgment where you will be separated from God for all of eternity. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. Now, here's what I want you to get. We must realize that we as believers are the witnesses. The Holy Spirit is the prosecuting attorney, and the unsaved are the guilty prisoners. But can I tell you this? The verdict that is proclaimed is not in order to bring condemnation, but is to offer hope. We are the witnesses. That's all we're called to do, witness to the truth. The Holy Spirit, he's the prosecutor. He's the one that convicts the hearts, and there's guilty people that have not turned and put their faith in Jesus. But God says, look, I don't want to bring condemnation to you. I died so I could deliver you from that condemnation. Amen? Third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, the Holy Spirit helps us as he guides us into all truth for the glory of Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us as he guides us into all truth for the glory of Jesus. Let's read verses 12 through 15. And it says, I still have, excuse me, many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. See, just as disciples were in the world and not of the world, so are we. And as such, we are constantly bombarded with the false or half-truths about the Lord. I said this earlier that we, bring the, that we bring the commands of God down to our level so that way we can feel like we accomplish them. Well, let me tell you something that's even worse is when we break, you know, one of the main commandments and it's what? To have no other gods before him, to make no graven image. And so what we think about when we think about that particular commandment is we think about some kind of Buddha or some kind of idol somewhere and that's what God is saying for us not to have. Right? Well, I can tell you something, and, and listen, I, I, I haven't seen any of these pictures in anyone's house, and if you have one of those, please know that I'm not talking to you specifically. Um, but, you know, I, I, when we were kids, you know, we, we had a, when I was a kid growing up, um, my, my grandmother had a picture, and it was of Jesus, and he had like a heart in his hand and all this kind of stuff, and that was my picture of Jesus, right? I'm just saying. And so what happens is, what, 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 what occurs? What occurs is you start to think that's what Jesus looks like. Hello, are you here? And so we make him into our own image, right? So that's one way that we do that. We begin to have these pictures of him in our mind. But let me tell you what's even worse because it's not just that picture. It's not just the Buddha. It's not just whatever fabrication you have in your mind of what Jesus looks like. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fabrication you have in your mind of what Jesus is like. You see, because for some reason we think that God is like holy but. No, no, he's holy. That's it. Are you here? He is a holy, righteous God. His standards don't lower for anyone. Jesus died so that way he could do what? So he could bring us up, not so that way he could come down and be our homie. Hello? Right? Brother Troy, he sent, us a, he sent us a devotional, and in the devotional, I read it one of the, one, one of the days, and it was talking about re, be, being re-gripped by the awe of God, being, be, just, being, just being able to reflect on God's holiness and who he is because we reflect so much on God's love sometimes that we abandon the fact that he is holy, he is righteous, and he should strike awe in our hearts. We're so, we, we become so comfortable with God, like he's our friend. 
you know, as I was reading this, Jesus calls, right? Jesus says that they are his friends, right? He calls them his friends, right? He says that you are my friends. And then what? Abraham is called the friend of God. Now, I want you to notice that, that the terminology, and, and I don't want you to miss what I'm trying to point out here, but the terminology never says God is Abraham's friend. Now, it's not saying that God wasn't his friend, but what I want you to know is that the words that are there are for a reason. It's to show us that God is not coming down to our level. He is bringing us up to his. Are you here? See, our friends bend to our will. Our friends compromise with us. Jesus does not. And we have to realize is what? Is that the Holy Spirit guides us into whole truths, not half truths. See, and we are called to be what? We are called to be people of the truth, not just honest. Hear what I'm saying here. When I'm talking about being people of the truth, I mean being unswerving, unswayed, and unshaken by the lies that are believed in the world. You have plenty of people out there today, they believe that Jesus is okay with, um, with, with certain sins, like he's all right with that. He's not. Understand this, every sin that is named in the Bible, lying, Jesus is not okay with lying, amen? amen. White lies, Jesus is not okay with those, hello? Listen, I know sometimes, listen, as a parent, I've been in situations where I don't want to say exactly the truth, you know, because I don't want to, it's a lie. It's a lie. I'm not talking about when you're trying to surprise your kids, okay? I'm, gonna I'm not talking about that, all right? You're probably still lying there, but listen, I'm just saying, <laughs> repent of that. I'm not saying God understands that. I'm saying I understand that. I'm not saying God. Repent for that stuff, okay? But what, but what I'm talking about is God hates lies. Like, there is no lie that is okay. None. No, there's none. God doesn't lie at all. He's, he's like, well, I, the, the, the surprise is spoiled. Okay, well, hey, I'm not going to lie. You and I are not God, and so that's it. But what I'm saying is, ultimately, you know, all of these things, you know, these sins, adultery, that is a sin. God is not okay with that. Hello. Just saying. Cursing, hello, foul mouth, like that's in the scriptures, like that's not okay with God. That is offensive to God. Don't think that God is cool with that. These things are in the word of God. You know, homosexuality, it's not cool. It's not that all of a sudden, you know, we've evolved as a, as a culture and God is behind. No, no, no. God is holy and he says that what is unrighteous is unrighteous. That is what unrighteousness is and God calls us to be what? He calls us to be people who are unshaken by the lies that the culture will try to communicate. The spirit of truth leads us into all truth. I want you to notice how awesome God is. If you look at the, you don't have to look there right now, but if you, if you just write this down, John chapter 14, verse 26, where Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to bring all things to, to their remembrance. And then here in chapter 16, verse 13, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but, will, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you these things. And in verse 12 it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So what I want you to know, when you compare these scriptures and you bring them together, you see, first of all, the way that God arranged the writing of the New Testament. Think about this. The spirit would remind them, from, from John chapter 14, verse 26, he would remind them of what Jesus had taught them. That's how we get the Gospels. And then the Spirit of God would do what? He would guide them into all truth. And this is what the result of that was what? The epistles that we have. And then in verse 12, it says, he will show them things to come. And that refers to the prophetic scriptures, especially the book of Revelation. Are you hearing me? 
The reason why this is so important for us is because when we look at what Jesus communicates, he wants us to know that he has been guiding, he's been leading, he has been the proclaimer of truth from the beginning, and he wants his disciples to know, listen, this is the way that I'm inspiring the word of God. I will bring these things to the remembrance of your heart. I'm going to guide you into all truth, and then I'm going to show you things to come. That's the God that we serve, church. That's the God that we can trust in, that he is leading, and he shows us clearly in the New Testament everything. Why do I share that? Because it's important for us to know how Jesus inspired the scriptures through the Holy Spirit, how his words have come to pass. And remember, we're talking about the real Jesus, right? So the real Jesus has to be the author and finisher of our faith. The real Jesus has to be the one that is inspiring scripture the same way that we see all throughout. And so this is what Jesus shows us here. See, as people of truth, we must realize the spirit of truth never works contrary to the word of God. Are you here? And is committed to the glory of Jesus. Our lives must reflect the same devotion as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit who illuminates us to the truth, empowers us with the truth, and equips us with the truth. You see, the spirit of God is going to do what? Bring glory to Jesus. That's what he wants to do. He's never going to move in a way that's contrary to the word of God. Listen, it is so important for us that we, that we are careful, that we are careful to say God is speaking to me or that God is speaking through me. It is important for us to make sure that we realize that when the Holy Spirit speaks, he does not speak contrary to the word of God. That when the Holy Spirit moves, he doesn't move contrary to the word of God. When the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us, he doesn't do so contrary to the scriptures. He doesn't move contrary to the character of God because he is God. And the second way that you can test something is does this really bring glory and honor to Jesus? Whatever it is you feel God is leading you to do, whatever it is you feel God is guiding your life for, does it bring glory and honor to Jesus? Because if it does not, then it is not the Holy Spirit that is leading you. Amen? Our lives should reflect that. And so here's my closing question for you. Are you in need of help? That's my first part of the question. It's a two-part question. The first question is this, is are you in need of help? I said the Holy Spirit is here. He's here to help. The question is, are you available? Are you in need of help? What area of your life are you in need of help? And here's the second part of the question, which goes along with it. And what area of your life are you unavailable to the Holy Spirit? Is there an area in your life you said, God, you know what? You can deal with me on everything else, but don't touch this. Listen, I don't believe in works. So I, got, I don't believe we earn stuff through our works. But what I do believe is this, is that there are sometimes we don't see things in our lives because we're not fully surrendered to God. That's the bottom line. Because we're not fully yielded to him because he wants to deal with us in areas. I, I, remember, I remember one night in youth ministry years ago, I remember as I was sharing with the young people, I said, you know what? I said, there's, there's something that happens when we come into the house of the Lord. And many times there is this one, it's like when you have a white shirt on. And there's one little dot on that shirt. And it's like that whole white shirt you're wearing doesn't even matter because that one dot, that one speck that's on there. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, that's how it is with you and your relationship with God. Many times you think, okay, everything is all good, but there's that one thing. There's that one area where God is like, I want to deal with that. I want to deal with that right there. And you're like, no, nah, but look at everything else. No, no, no. He doesn't want to look at everything else. He wants to deal with that. And many times we're unwilling to yield to him. So my question is twofold. Are you in need of help? And where is it that you're in need of help? And then the second part of the question is, are you available? What area of your life are you unavailable to the Holy Spirit? Let's all stand to our feet. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Joel, if you'll come up here really quickly, please. They sing this song on Friday, Your Presence is Heaven. And I just want us to take a moment just of, of reflection to worship and to adore the Lord. 
to really allow the Holy Spirit to just deal with our hearts, to really allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to us, to, to minister to us as we, as we close our time together. I know the Lord has spoken to you, and so just bow your heads, bow your hearts before the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you so very much, God, for your greatness. We thank you for the magnitude of your love. We worship you, Jesus. My God, the worship team come up to help you.